0: Father, we pray your blessing on Robert now. We pray that you'd anoint him with your Holy Spirit and that you would speak to him and through him and that we would be attentive and that your Holy Spirit would apply what he has to say to our lives. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Just put this on. I think I'm in business now. This morning, when I met Frank, he said to me, go out and enjoy yourself, so that's what I'll endeavour to do. Um, This is my second talk. Uh, My first talk was at the 8 o'clock service about a couple of months ago, and Sophie said, well, you've got 10 minutes, but I believe I probably might have 20 minutes this time, so I just hope I don't send you all to sleep in the process. Anyway, I'll begin. Um, When I first looked at the passage... And when I'd read it through a number of times, the thing that struck me most was the black and white nature of it. It was a sort of either-or scenario. You were either sheep or you were a goat. You were deemed to help the stranger if you were a sheep and deemed not to if you were a goat. You were deemed to have looked after the sick if you were a sheep and not to have done so if you were a goat. You were deemed to visit those in prison if you were a sheep, but deemed not to if you were a goat. Ultimately, the sheep went to eternal life, and the goats went to eternal punishment. Um, this sort of reminded me of Frank's talk last Sunday, which was on a similar theme, but instead of the sheep and the goats, he had wheats and weeds. So I thought to myself, when well, the wheat are a bit like the sheep, and the weeds are a bit like the goats. The weeds, the wheat and the sheep were going to eternal life, and the weeds and goats were going to eternal punishment. I mean, both these were representing sets of people, those who were allowed in to eternal life and those who were going to eternal punishment. In the New Testament, Jesus often used a door analogy to show this two-state nature of eternity. It's quite a good one. Because if you think about a door, it's either open or it's closed. You're either in or you're out. And he uses this theme with the, um, the five wise virgins and the five foolish virgins. The five wise virgins were allowed into the banquet. And the five foolish virgins were not ready because they had to go back for some oil. And the, the bridegroom came and subsequently they weren't allowed in. I've used other parables to look at this particular passage because I think it throws light on this passage. And all these three parables, Jesus, I felt, was effectively the doorkeeper to eternity. In the talk, I hope to follow up this theme, this door theme, to interpret parts of this Matthew passage and associated associated passages which I think are linked to it. But before going further, I really need to clarify who the sheep and who the goats are. I believe the sheep are those committed, who have committed their lives to Christ, and the goats are those who have not. There might be someone listening to my talk, and inwardly they're saying, Well, the goats get a really raw deal out of this. I'm not religious, I wouldn't even call myself a Christian. But I've devoted my whole adult life to prison visiting. And there's this bloke up here telling me, I don't deserve eternal life. What a cheek. And this obviously would touch a raw nerve on him. And for many people who aren't Christians, they would take this in this way. But it also touches on the crux of our Christian faith, which is inferred from this passage, that we're saved by grace, Justified by faith, we're not saved by good works, but for good works. Therefore, only works done for Jesus or through him are acceptable. Hence, the emphasis in the passage where Jesus says, When I was thirsty, when I was a stranger, when I was sick. In a way, our works are only acceptable if they have a Christ label attached to them, covering our sinfulness. Without Christ, our works carry a sin label on their loan, and they're not acceptable to God. This is a throwback to the Old Testament, where sin offerings had to be first offered in the temple or in the tabernacle before any other offerings were offered, because otherwise they would be unacceptable to God. And this theme although not mentioned in this passage, underlies and underpins it. Up to now, we've been thinking how the Matthew passage defines a sheep and a goat. What causes one to be a sheep, the other a goat? This do take state nature, either eternal life or eternal punishments. This is, this is what it is. I would like to go on and to look at what the passage might say as, what, as to what it might mean to be a sheep, or rather someone who is a Christian, and the consequences for eternal life. As most of us here are sheep, those who have committed their lives to Christ, I would like to concentrate solely now on the sheep rather than the goats. But before doing so, I would like to give, relate a personal experience, which I had here at Emmanuel, when I felt I could have been put in the category of a goat. This was the Moldova quiz evening. I think it was the second one. Alison and I duly arrived at the church, and Nari and Sophie, outside the old church, were sat at a big table with a long list of names on it. I came in and said, have I come to a polling station? Their response was a forced smile which said, how droll, the older generation trying to be funny. <laughs> and then they said, what's your name? I, we said Stevenson. They looked down and said, hmm, can't find you anywhere. Uh, there was a pause and then they exclaimed, oh, you're the other Stevensons. I've noticed Barbara here, so I think they must be ones on the left. Anyway, I had somewhat of a deflated ego, but relief that I was allowed in. Incidentally, at school, I was the only Stevenson throughout my entire school life. And here, when I came to Emmanuel, I found I had the most common name at all. (laughs) Uh, Nari and Sophie were in their rights to stop us going in because we weren't on the list. We had no access through to the old church to attend the quiz. Hence my feeling I could have been a goat. It also made me think that Narian and Sova's list was a bit like the book of life quoted in Revelation. Anyone not found in it were thrown into the lake of fire. The Matthew passage here at the beginning says, the son of man will come with all his angels. So perhaps it's an angelic task to find those written in the book of life and separate sheep from the goats. As the book of life will be vast, I don't think this could be a human task, certainly not one for Sophia Nari. As said, the passage defines what it means to be a sheep and thereby a Christian, but it doesn't quantify or qualify what process is expected of a Christian in their life and how it affects their eternal prospect and how it might do so. It's very black and white I've chosen two passages from the New Testament to help with this first to show the extent of what Christians are called to do but secondly to show a possible reward in heaven in the first I believe we can use the door analogy that a Christian is the doorkeeper of his life In the second, I believe it shows Jesus as the doorkeeper to eternity. Before looking further at those passages, I'd like to re-emphasize this, because I think if you take nothing away from my talk, this is the important aspect which is touched on in this passage. In our life, we are the doorkeeper. We have the choice whether to let Jesus into our lives, as Revelation 3.20 says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. But secondly, at the day of judgment, there's a role reversal. Instead of us being the doorkeeper, Jesus, Jesus becomes the doorkeeper to eternity, as we've seen portrayed in these parables, in the three parables that I've quoted. There's no longer a choice, This is an irrevocable outcome that we cannot change. So while we're still alive, there is that choice. But at Judgment Day, when we die, which is effectively Judgment Day, the role is reversed and we do not have a say where we're going. The first passage I want to look at, which I think throws more light on this passage, the main passage, is from 1 Corinthians 3, verses 14 to 15, which reads... If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the fire. In other words, using the door analogy, my door analogy, the person suffering loss in the latter part of this passage is like a Christian who lets Jesus in through the front door of their lives. And then proceeds to leave Jesus on the whole mat for the rest of their lives. In, in effect, there is no going on. They don't respond to the promptings of the Holy Spirit to allow the Holy Spirit to go into other rooms of their life and in other parts of their life. So they are not effective for Him. Hence, come judgment, they receive little or no reward and escape as through a fire. Note here, there is an implied condition and a promise. The more we let Jesus into our lives, into the rooms in our lives, the more effective effective we are for him and the greater our reward. Although this should not be, I think, our motivation. We can put this back into the main passage. And from the main passage, we can learn that by being a more mature Christian, the more we can help the stranger in Christ, the more we can look after the sick in Christ, the more we can be purposeful in our visit to those in prison. That's the first passage I wanted to read to show the maturing life or the possibility of the maturing life of the Christian. The second suggests the nature of our reward for a mature Christian life. This comes from John chapter 14, verse 2, and reads, "'In my Father's house are many rooms,' If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I would like to make the suggestion here, which you may or may not agree with, that the two passages here that I read are linked in the following way. The first makes mention of a reward. Could it be that as we open more of the rooms of our lives, not just the front door to let him in, that we allow God in his transforming power being ready and in the state of preparedness, for Jesus in turn to reward us and furnish our heavenly home more and more as we let him more and more into the rooms of our heart and into our lives. Whilst you're thinking about this, I would like to give a final illustration for my working life to give an idea of the magnitude of the reward we might expect when we reach our heavenly home. I'm a chiropodist and have been for 20 years. I deal with people's feet. If you, and mainly the older generation, which I'm rapidly aspiring to. Anyway, over the years, I've become somewhat addicted or an expert on daytime television. My customers like to watch the TV while I listen to it, usually with my back to them. They usually say, you don't mind if we watch the television and then I can listen to it. This helps concentrate on the TV, but I'm not sure it helps me concentrate on their feet. Fortunately, in their unrivaled wisdom, the BBC have decided to take the Jeremy Carl show off the air, which I'm truly thankful for. How there's, however, there's still plenty of room for more daytime TV to listen to, which is, I have to say, is more appropriate. The delights of Homes Under the Hammer and Escape to the Country feature quite largely. Now, I want to look at the Escape to the Country. In this program, a couple, usually a couple, plan to move house to the country. The presenter of the program helps them with this by choosing three properties for them to look at, for them to make a choice on. The last one is usually the Mystery House, This is the one I want to focus on. As a lead into the property, the presenter will say to the couple something along the lines of, from what you have told me of your personal interests, hobbies, pursuits, likes, dislikes, etc., I've chosen a property for you from those properties in the area you want to move in. And to cap it off, he says, I think you will find it have a wow factor. Compare this with our passage. Where I've just read. When Jesus prepares a place for us in heaven, the presenter only has an inkling of the couple's likes and dislikes. Say, let's put it at 2%. But we know Jesus knit us in our mother's womb, so it's fair to say that he knows us completely 100%. The presenter is limited by the availability of the housing stock in the area they want to move. Our heavenly estate agent has no limits. He has no housing or land shortage problems. He can actually create whatever he wants for us. Therefore, you might guess my next question. What is the potential size of the wow factor Jesus can incorporate in our heavenly home, which is impossibly working on at this very moment? I don't think we'd have to get to the back garden, as in the program before we had the wow factor, I think you'd go through the front door into the hall and there would be an ever-creasing wow factor of my heavenly home. Putting it another way, supposing we could take a day trip to our heavenly home under construction in our mortal bodies. When we arrived, Jesus might say, sorry, you can't come in yet because you've not died and I'm not finished yet. And depending on what you do for me on earth, visiting the sick, helping the poor, meeting the stranger, I can potentially add in more features for your heavenly home. Secondly, he would decline because he would know once he'd opened the door, we'd be overwhelmed by the joy of what came to us. We'd be overwhelmed by the wow factor of what he was doing for us. Our mortal bodies would not be able to cope with it all. Neil Armstrong said, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. I say, one small step of faith a person makes in opening their front door of their lives to Jesus results in a giant leap forward in their eternal prospects. This is greater than man's achievement in landing on the moon. It's even greater than man's conquest of the universe, if that were possible. So there you have it. So are you a sheep who has opened the door of your life to Jesus? And is it continuing to do so? Or are you a goat whose front door is securely bolted, triple bolted, with a large sign which says on it, Keep out. The choice is yours. Amen.